0: This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Ithaca, New York, boasts an authentic craft beverage experience, tasty farm-to-table culinary adventures, and scenic outdoor recreation among 150 waterfalls. Plan your trip today with help from visitithaca.com.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. You're listening to Feast
2: Meets West the show tracing the stories behind your favorite Asian foods. I'm your host, Linda Liu. We are broadcasting live from Heritage Radio Network at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Every episode, we dig deep on an aspect of Asian cuisine or culture by having a conversation with the passionate people from the world of Asian food. Tonight we're talking about Nikkei cuisine, the culinary romance and intense cultural exchange from when Japan met Peru. You might have already um, seen Nikkei if you've had a ceviche that was lightly dressed with citrus, or if you've dined at Nobu. The Nikkei word itself describes the descendants of Japanese immigrants living around the world outside of Japan. When it comes to food, the word has become associated with the cuisine that grew out of the Japanese presence in Peru. That started when the Japanese farmers began immigrating there in the late 1800s to work on the plantations. Here in the studio with me are a couple chefs repin Nike Cuisine here in New York City. Eric Ramirez is a Peruvian-American chef based in NYC. He's chef and partner of Llama Inn and La Mida, both destinations for progressive modern Peruvian cuisine, as well as Llama-san, his soon-to-be-opened Nike concept. Eric is fully immersed in cultivating his unique flavor profiles and the Llama brand. All of his projects are deeply personal and showcase Peru's diverse culinary heritage and the city he lives in. Welcome, Eric.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: Um, We also have Mina Newman, who is also of Peruvian descent, and she is the creative force behind the restaurant Sen Sacana, where she gets to showcase Nikkei Cuisine. Sakana, which opened in 2017, also marks Mina's return to a restaurant kitchen, having served as executive chef of the elegant event space Edison Ballroom since 2008 and as a consultant on Cristo's Steakhouse in Astoria. Mina has also appeared on countless television shows and was the winner of Chopped in 2009. Welcome, Mina. Thank you for having me. Um, all right, you guys. Tell me first about your relationship with Nikkei Cuisine.
4: So um, I'm from Peru. Well, my mother's from Peru. I was born here. And uh, Nikkei Cuisine is just part of our culture. So it's not necessarily uh, one distinct element. It's just ingrained in uh, the Peruvian culture. Every Peruvian eats. eats it. yes every Peruvian eats it
3: I think for me Nikkei so I'm also Peruvian American first-generation American my parents are both from Peru and my grandmother my grandmother is actually Nikkei um, her father was from Japan and her mother was Peruvian so she's she, uh, she she's what she represents Nikkei um, it's never the food that I grew up eating um, I kinda grew up eating comida criolla but it was always a part of my life that I was a very kind of like interested about and I heard a lot about um and I thought you know like what me- what Mina said there's like a lot of reasons why we're choosing right. to do it right but you know I think for me it's um, also you know I think one way to learn through, like one way to learn more about you know like a specific culture or like mm-hmm. where something comes from is through food yeah so it just you know like it was kind of like
4: it's personal. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah,
3: it's like a driving force mm-hmm. for like, also because like you know New Yorkers love Japanese food and you know they and they love food that has like a lot of flavor and spice, which is like Peruvian food, which has like every element of what New Yorkers like. You know the Chinese, the, the Spanish. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, the, oh,
4: they
2: love the combination,
3: absolutely. So just you know, just just made sense. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, and where did you guys learn to cook this food? I guess
4: growing up eating it, you know, yeah, you I just learned yes, just natural get progression and Japanese, uh, work with Japanese chefs and okay. just learning more technique and the influences that you have growing up as what the fra- flavor profiles are. And you study going to culinary school and then those all incorporate into your discovery of this cuisine and the food.
2: Yeah. Yep. How long have you been cooking it?
4: Now, about four years, yeah, yep. Yeah, two, two years, you know, researching and developing our recipes, and then two years in action. Almost two years in action.
3: Um, for me, I think what what Mina said. It's it's, you know, it's it's the process that you kind of go through working as a cook in New York City, and you learn all these different aspects of
2: through osmosis.
3: Yeah, you know, of technique, of of you know, and how like philosophies from different chefs, you know, and 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 ingrained in that. There's definitely some kind of Japanese influence, right? Nikkei itself, I never really learned how to cook from like a Nikkei chef, mm-hmm. but just from you know going out to eat and kind of being exposed to those types of restaurants yeah. and and um, you know and just through studying a lot of reading and and you know trial and error and you know and just just kind Teasing of tasting
2: the dishes. Yeah getting your friends around, (laughs) getting their feedback. Yes, yes, a lot of that. Yeah, and then, so, of course, the flavors are amazing. Like you said, you know, it's it's zesty, it's fresh, a ton of seafood. Um, So, of course, like, New Yorkers deserve to have that. Um, But what were the other inspiration points to open with this concept? And now?
4: Now is... Just the time. New York has seen Peruvian food uh, in every element. The criollo, that's super creative, um, like in and Nikkei needs its stage, and what better stage than New York? In the Midtown, I, we're in Midtown, and I just thought it was a great time to launch this wonderful project and bring this cuisine to light. In in Europe, it's definitely a big stage. In South America, of course, all across South America. So now's the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, in New York, we think that Peruvian food is pollo uh, la brasa, a lot of that criolla food. That mean? That's the uh, chicken that everybody's the Peruvian chicken, and everybody totally, has that instinct. Yeah. Everybody has like this
3: perspective, <laughs> yes. this stereotype of yes. what Peruvian that's yes. that's is. That's the yes. one iconic dish. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it goes okay. so, it's so much more deeply rooted in that there's you know like biodiversity the cultural influences absolutely the The biodiversity
4: alone it's you know it's supposed to be such if something would happen in Peru that affected the environment there that said that it could affect the world in general just because of the amount of biodiversity that happens there there are potatoes that don't even have names there Fish that haven't been over, yeah. over
3: three thousand varieties.
4: Yeah, yeah. that are named, that of, are cultivated, yeah. like that not people all them know. Not are edible, about. but right. over three thousand right. varieties right. Of, potatoes? of potatoes. Yes.
3: Yep. That's- Peruvians. Ex- Peruvians brought potatoes to the world, mm-hmm. right? You know, and they say tomatoes too. You know, but I mean, who knows? It's arguable,
4: right? Yeah. <laughs> I. Um, I just think that there's so much to more to discover about Peruvian food. Yeah. There's
3: there's so many different facets of Peruvian cuisine, you know, yes. like the Chinese, the Japanese, um,
4: Italian, Italian, yes.
3: Yeah, you know, the indigenous, the Spanish, the African and, you know, New York City embracing Japanese food, you know, it just it just like she said, it just makes it just makes sense. It, it, it was sets the right story, the stage, Right? right? Do Don't you it. think? Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a good combination because like Proving Cuisine is starting to make its mark in New York City. I think it's very large outside of the States. South America, Europe, you know, people recognize these top-level chefs, you know, two of them being in the top 10 of the 50 best restaurants. Yeah. And um, and I think outside of the United States, they embrace it a lot more than New Yorkers do, right? New Yorkers mm-hmm. are just very finicky people. And they're in their comfort zone, they, they know what they want, right? And they stick to what they want to eat. Um, but... You know, I think Nikkei offers a little bit of everything for the New York palette, mm-hmm. right? And you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's it's like she said, it's the right time to do it. Like, why not do it?
2: Yeah, of you course. Know? I'm right. just. Um, you'll never,
3: you'll never know. You'll never, you'll never learn. It's if, never if, the right if, time, right? If, if you don't do it. Right. Right. Yeah, right. I'm
2: just wondering why it hasn't been more of a bigger thing. Um, until now like before like why did we wait so long to bring Nikkei to the I I think it has a lot to to do with
3: with with, um there just aren't enough Nikkei cooks outside of the United States Mm -hmm. right and I think that's how that's how um
2: I mean like is a small country and I guess you know
3: and and like for for something to kind of make a large impact let's say like I don't know french or chinese or yep. italian right there needs to be like an abundance a of like of those cooks right or or of just like that food and peru is quite not there yet right and you know there's like a handful of amazing Nikkei chefs
0: mm-hmm. that are
3: like Nikkei, and then there's us you know right. who are willing to take that risk that risk and right. to see like how it goes and, and and what we can do with it you know And it's only to move Peruvian culture and cuisine forward. Sure, sure, Mm. absolutely. And
4: I feel like people travel more. People are, you know, the world is so much smaller now with the internet. (sighs) And people are just out there. They're traveling to Peru. They're eating at these restaurants. There are people with the, you know, the prolific, I'm going to put it on my list, but their list is... Noma, their list is going to San Sebastian, to Peru, that list is way bigger than just my list, which is in New York. And then, you know, the greater world list. And those people are going out, they're following these chefs, they are are really wanting to pursue this style. Mm -hmm. And Peru, uh, Nikkei gives people the best of both worlds. I love Peruvian food. I love Japanese food. And just together, it makes so much sense. They share a lot of qualities, they share a lot of the same nuances. It's really fantastic.
2: Yeah. Could you talk a little bit more about the dominant flavor profiles and ingredients that are um, most widely used in the cuisine?
4: Like for us, we use a lot of miso, a lot of dashi, a lot of uh, soys, different levels of soy sauce. So very
2: Japanese there. Very Japanese
4: y. Yeah. And then a lot of uh, balance of lime juice with the uh, Peruvian chili peppers and um, incorporating more so Japanese techniques into uh, Peruvian ingredients. Mm-hmm. And we use that, we follow a lot of that method.
2: And how many varieties of potato do you get?
4: <laughs> oh. God, I think now we use, like, about four or five. Right. Well,
3: certainly not it's... Those varieties don't come to the United States. Right. You know? <laughs> That's another we, problem. We, we have our varieties here. Right. We have our Idaho, our Russia. why Russ they here, don't or bring or you, them, right? Exactly. You know? right. And it's, it's such a large part of the economy in the United States on why to, like, export all these... Um, I mean, because potatoes, you can... They last for, like, a month if you kind of store them properly, yeah. right? So they can come over. But also, you know, Peru is a little underdeveloped, so the way to get these potatoes here are a little more difficult than for other countries but you know like it's funny when the Japanese first migrated so is basically um proven ingredients molded by by Japanese Mm -hmm. custom Mm -hmm. flavor you know ideology like technique technique exactly but all those ingredients that we speak about now weren't available to the Japanese when they first moved there they actually came like years later you know so I mean to actually say like like what I don't know it's it's hard like
2: it changes it changes yeah right, okay. there's no like
3: specific yeah it's like, more like
2: the framework and the concept that's Nikkei
3: exactly it's the idea that's interesting. Of it. it's it's like it's the people right and then you know now like we have all like abundance of all these Japanese ingredients <laughs> right, yeah. right yeah yeah which, sure it's more Japanese than Nikkei but because we have it and we live in New York City which is you know freedom of interpretation culture art right. and we can do whatever sure. we want with it, you know, and, and people accept it. It's you know, it's we're we're making a new a new a new perspective, a new yeah, idea a new of what we is. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm me,
4: sure when you know, they were coming over it wasn't like they were coming over in a diaspora. They weren't coming yeah. over to to create a life they were coming over because they needed to come but you know some people would say the fact that they could have rice with every meal was just unbelievable because in my grandfather would say if there's no rice there's no food so but because they came over at that time where it was Japan was in poverty that was tremendous for them and it's they say that I remember sitting down with Toshiro prior to his passing and being like we didn't come here with the thought of we're making Nikkei. We came here with the idea of there's a lot of fish there. We can do something great with it. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. And so it just came as through evolution that they, a necessity, and that they came and used what was there to use. You know, Peruvians didn't use the seaweed. The Japanese used that. They didn't use octopus. The Japanese used that. And so they taught the Peruvians how to use all of this and treat the fish properly and cut the fish properly. do that amazing really Really
2: open their eyes
4: absolutely absolutely even i have an an older sister that's like used to cook ceviche to death and it's like what are you doing yeah it's like like, oh i made this yesterday i'm like what
2: oh (laughs) my god yeah yeah let's talk about the ceviche so is ceviche the most like iconic nikkei dish
4: yeah i would say the technique of ceviche is iconic dish but Tiradito. tiradito is the a number one yeah. thing that they brought to yeah her. can
2: you describe what that looks like So what tiradito like? is
4: cut is fish cut very thinly laid out over a sauce um, that's high in acid of course balanced and then eaten together so it's like in sensacana we make several tiraditos uh, one is a madai a japanese snapper with a mango aji amarillo sauce and a crispy element. So you eat all of those dishes, all, all those ingredients together, and
2: that's your tiradito. Yeah, right. I can imagine yeah. it looking so beautiful, too, well, on that you. plate.
4: Right, and then it's, you oh, everything's cut to order again, similarly to sashimi. It's not as thick as sashimi, but it's thinner.
2: Yeah, because you want that sauce. Right,
4: yes, and you want that sauce, and you want that,
2: to be able to eat everything together. Yeah. Right. Eric, are I, you doing a version of that?
3: Yeah, yeah. It's funny, because we're talking about the tiradito, right? Like, I feel like a tiradito is kind of... it's It really represents Nikkei yeah. cuisine. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, the ingredients that come with the tiradito. It's just the idea of what tiradito is. Mm. So you could have, like, a tiradito, like... Like, just kind of... Like, I don't know. It's, you don't need to necessarily use, like, soy sauce or miso right. or yuzu or mm. sudachi or mm-hmm. nori or these other... It's just the idea of it being a tiradito is Nikkei. Um, yeah, there's... We have... We have um, we have one t- two tiraditos and one ceviche on, on the Lama-san menu, yeah.
2: Nice. And so um, let's talk through that ceviche, too. How did Peruvians make it before, and then how do they make it now?
3: Well, I think like what Mina was saying is the Japanese introduced technique, mm-hmm. right? Like a way on how to prepare and how to handle fish, right? Sophisticated, more, a little, right. more sophisticated. Yeah. Peruvians would more kind of like not necessarily
4: cook for necessity more so like the criollo cooking of Mm. put everything in and let it marinate and then I'll get to that when I'm done with this. okay (laughs) And as the Japanese, it's all about respect. It's cutting this at the moment that you're going to need that and using every single element of that fish. So I may may not be using this whole thing for this right now, but I'm using the bones for soup and I'm using this part of the fish for ceviche and another part of the fish for something else. And so all of that certainly has impacted the Peruvian's culinary education.
2: Yeah. Um, What other dishes would you say are pretty nique? What else do you have on your menu that
4: um, I have a chalfa mm-hmm. that is done with an it's uh, quinoa and brown rice, and it's done with a um, an onsen egg and uh, a sous vide pork belly. So that's something I'm sure that the way they cook eggs alone is completely different than the way in Peru would be a fried egg that was you know fried brown on the onsen side and then poured <laughs> on top of the rice. Right. So um, yeah, and we use um, Japanese soy sauces and some Seao because you need that, like, really heavy wheat-based soy sauce that's really uh, Chinese, but the Nikkei use it so much, but I feel like they use it because they, they didn't have any th- other soy. Exactly. But here we have, on. like, yeah. thousands of different soy sauces. I know at Sensakana there's four. People are like, which soy? I'm like,
2: it's yeah, this one. Yeah, which one to use for yes, what? for what?
4: <laughs> right, right. Do you want darker? Do you want, you know,
3: deeper? It's... So it, it it goes back to like the like the like, like Nikkei not necessarily being ingredient driven, but more of mm-hmm. like, you know, just the just people having to adapt and creating this sure. kind of idea. You Absolutely. Know, like, at, at Lamasan, some dishes that we have there in Nikkei, and one that I that I that I really like is um, I grew up eating um. There's a uh, it's it's like it's like uh, beef cutlet mm. with um, with noodles and pesto tallarín verde like oh, a con tallarín verde yeah. like my mom that was like a go-to dish my yeah, mom would yeah. make a lot yeah and uh, we have a version of that and oh, it's um, it's kind of like tonkatsu right yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. With,
3: with uran with pesto you know but we serve it on the side and like we kind of we use um, Iberico pork and we mm. kind of wet age it and like a marinade for like 10 days and you know we do all these kind of crazy things to it but, but and it's that's a, in its, in its essence it's criollo but kind of presented in an ike way right and with people
4: the, can relate to that exactly, dish yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. yes i you love know, that you people it's can so relate
3: funny. to the tonkatsu because mm-hmm. yeah people know yeah. what that is right. you know people can relate to the to the udon or to like the the pasta Just with noodles testo. people love noodles exactly. i love noodles so. yeah. yeah yeah
2: exactly so yeah. when you create each dish because you that's can be so yeah. creative with it like yeah. um ingredient-wise, it's, like, one thing, but, like, presented, it's another. Do you ever feel like um, a Nikkei dish would fall on a spectrum of, like, Jap- being Japanese on one end and then Peruvian on the other? Or you just can't think of it that way? Everything's just really, like, fused together.
4: Absolutely. It's definitely... No, I don't think about it in a separate element at all. Mm-hmm. I think that every single dish has certainly a Peruvian root, with a Japanese both technique and ingredient. I think that the marriage that's there is certainly very deep-rooted. It's over 100 years. uh, There there aren't separate elements You can't separate. You can't have lomo saltado without using soy sauce or ginger. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It's just the nature of it. That's just how it is. We like to eat rice with everything too, and potatoes. So. Double <laughs> carb. <laughs> we want yeah, a carb, and then carbs. can you give us a carb? You're not serving potato with that. <laughs> My would
3: occasionally make pasta, and then there's rice with the pasta. Ca, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, like, or like, yeah <laughs> with that. Email yeah, like, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, yeah, uh, that sounds great. Yeah, so
4: they're just
3: so like they're just so tight that you yeah. can't you can't yeah, separate yeah. it. Right. It's
4: the marriage. It's yeah. not necessarily you know how I feel about that word fusion. It's just not
2: right. it's Not it. I'm it's trying not culture. to say it. I know. I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um. Could you also just walk us through what your menu looks like at your restaurants? Or how are you guys dividing it up?
4: I divide the only one division that we have that is definitely very separate is our sushi menu. Mm, okay. And then we separate the uh, essence cooked food is just in categories, so appetizers and then entrees and okay. some side. We have kushiakis, which are grilled over uh, Japanese charcoal.:
2: Oh, nice. Yeah. okay.
3: Ours is the format of our menu kind of is more from um, from like small to large and there's categories of they aren't labeled but it's like separated in the menu and one section would be just four or five vegetable dishes um, then the next, session, next section is um, the raw dishes and then here you would have kind of like your medium size entrees and then the, the last section is like larger than the medium-sized entrees mm-hmm. you know and, and it's it's kind of mixed match you know so it's like and meant to be shared meant to be shared yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: yeah and what are you guys doing for drinks a lot of pisco
4: we have a huge uh whiskey japanese whiskey list and sakes and then we do just a variety of a var- a variety of cocktails cocktails yeah, yeah.
3: Same here. Our, we have our beverage director Lynette Lynette Marrero, who's, who who uh, created all the cocktails. Um, it's just you know it's utilizing Japanese and proven ingredients and in kind of um, you know interpretations of like classic cocktails, newer cocktails. You know just yeah.
2: right. She gets to work with double the amount of ingredients than <laughs> usual. <laughs> they then. all do. Yeah.
4: Right, our beverage director too. He and likes then the that. combinations yeah. of them.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um... So I guess, you know, then you don't really have um, issues uh, sourcing for ingredients necessarily because you really just, it's about the concept and not so much. Or are there still some things where you're like, I wish I
3: had that? Yes, without a doubt. Okay, so what is that? It's difficult with Peruvian ingredients. Okay. Not with Japanese ingredients. Right. Um, And here we only get frozen and Mm dried, you know, or already in a jar. You know, and that's as far as it goes. You know, we can't get all the fresh fruit that comes from the Amazon or the different grains and corns that come from the Sierra mm. or the Ahis that come from the coast. Mm. We get them frozen. You okay. Know? Yep. It's, so that's that's kind of been our our ongoing our ongoing challenge. You Absolutely. Know, to kind of always try yep. to find the best way to yep. to do with what we have.
4: Yeah.
3: You know. And that's why New York City is very great, because it has, like, this seasonal-driven palette. Mm -hmm. So we could incorporate a lot of New York things to kind of, you know, not necessarily substitute, but to kind of get a little more creative, you know?
2: Yeah. What's an example of that? So I guess, like, summer is coming up. What would you try to really feature so now the summer's coming up, so mm. you find
3: a lot of, like, berries and stuff. Yeah. You can start finding local gooseberries. Mm. No, they're not, like, the ones that we get improved, like that mm. Waimato, like okay. the golden gooseberry. Right. They're a little more green and some are red, and they mm. don't have the same flavor that they...
4: Right. Have. A lot more tart Yeah, right here.
3: You know, and then you can, you know, you can find fresh wakatai. You know, we grow fresh wakatai yeah. on the rooftop. And then yeah. if, you know, if you get in relationships with uh, with certain farmers, you know, coming in the summer, you can get fresh ají amarillo and limo and procotto, but... It doesn't taste the same. No,
4: and yeah, yeah, it's definitely not the same favorite profile. There's a different ají amarillo I learned from trying to grow it myself (laughs) in my own backyard. Um, It's different. It's It's very very different. different. I have found rocoto amarillo here. Um, I have tried to get somebody to grow for me the ají limo. And ají amarillo is like our big workhorse in Peru. That's like, it's not very, very, so spicy. It's a lot of flavor. That's been the toughest one. I, if I can get that, I would be golden. I would be really happy. Okay. <laughs> because you can substitute spice for many of the chili peppers already that exist in New York. But that flavor profile is what's so unique.
2: Okay, I mean, we need to find someone to well, grow we it. We need
4: to, yes. I tried to get one of the guys who does you know one of these rooftop gardens in Brooklyn. Yeah,
2: just... With the power of the two of you guys. Right, maybe. Yeah, maybe. yeah,
4: certainly. Absolutely.
3: right. We have to talk to the trade commissions.
4: (laughs) Yes. I even got on the phone, I said, Why isn't it possible? I said, because there are other things in the uh, the US that have a similar flavor profile. And I was like, Well, similar is not the same. You know, it's just kind of like not equal.
3: That's not fair. It's not fair to to our Mexico probably had that. Exposed to like all these Amazing thing. Just naturally, yes.
2: you're like walking around.
3: Yeah. And it's <sighs> yes. In the so market,
4: one one thing to the next is just like, you know, it's better than the next thing. It,
3: it was difficult because I just recently went to Peru to cook, and you know, I got there and I just wanted to use all these different ingredients, but I also thought to myself like that's not going to be that's not going to be representative of what we do here. Yeah, yeah you're yeah, not yeah. going get get to imagine. Yes. Yeah. You know? So yes. I'm just kind of like conflicted. I'm like, oh, wait. oh do
2: I do it? <laughs> yeah.
3: You know, like I want to use cosudo. Yep. I want right. to use. Yep. Go-cona. like I want yeah. to use all these yeah. amazing ingredients, yeah. but Peruvians know what that is, right? So it's just like, okay, I'm coming from New York. I kind of have to give them something New York, right? And I can't really right. geek out over these ingredients because
2: it's like, don't get used to it, Eric. You know, so it's just <laughs> like,
3: you know, like yeah. it would it would so change the, the face of Peruvian cuisine in the United States
2: without
4: a doubt. We, absolutely, could, yeah. absolutely. If we could just import and it, like, okay, maybe it's not the chili pepper, but the cushto would be amazing to have the cocona. All of that would yeah. just be. The limes are unbelievable in Peru. Unbelievable.
2: Yeah, just delicious. All right. We're going to take a really quick break, and we'll be right back with more Feast Meets West.
1: enjoying this show? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. I'm Luke Griffin and I'm the host of Bushwick Podcast. Each week, we share the remarkable stories of how artists, activists and entrepreneurs collide in Bushwick, a special Brooklyn neighborhood that's changing faster by the day. You can find Bushwick Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org.
0: This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Located in New York's Finger Lakes region, Ithaca boasts an authentic craft beverage experience, tasty farm-to-table culinary adventures, and scenic outdoor recreation. As the saying goes, Ithaca is gorgeous. The city is home to 150 waterfalls and gorges sprinkled through its downtown and sloping hillsides. State parks and acres of natural lands offer outdoor recreation for every level of enthusiast come stroll among the cool ravines, scenic hiking trails, and natural vistas. Ithaca is home to Ivy League Cornell University and Ithaca College, resulting in an influx of new cultures, new tastes, and new energy every year. There's so much to explore, from art galleries and museums to unique attractions like the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Ithaca sits at the heart of a blossoming heritage and craft cider industry, Some of these delicious ciders can be bought in market, but many of the most unique varieties can only be experienced with a visit to Ithaca and this great cider region. Go to visitithaca.com to get inspired and plan your trip today. All
2: right, welcome back. You're listening to Feast Meets West. Um, so Eric Mina, I was wondering why do you think the Japanese cuisine took hold in Peru with such a force rather than some of the other immigrant cultures there? Because I know there's like a Chinese community as well, but, but Nikkei is really like Japanese plus Peruvian.
4: Well, there was a Japanese, the president alone, and the, many of those Japanese people stayed Mm-hmm. They stayed, they, they're very entrepreneurial, they developed their own businesses, and so they created their lives there. And so that, that culture alone just made roots. The Spanish were there, the Italians, and they went back when it was yeah. time to go back yeah. and then they did go back. You know, they were ruled, they also were ruled by then. Right. The Chinese are still there, just as entrepreneurial, just as I remember growing up being like, that Asian person speaks Spanish. It was. I was beyond. I was like, look at Chino Latino. You know, it was was funny, unexpected. Yes, absolutely. And there's so much of that, but we we know that that Chino Latino exists for so many prior to even the Japanese arriving. The Chinese were already in Peru.
2: But there's no really like Chinese Peruvian cuisine, is there? There is. Yeah, there there? is. Yeah, there used to be a restaurant. Yeah, the chifa. Yes, huge. If
3: you go to Peru there's chief from the airport everywhere. yes
4: yes absolutely
3: you know it's oh amazing it's not okay. that the Nikkei kind of outlasted right because mm-hmm. if you if you look at the you know like the um, the cultural influences you like the spanish african indigenous the comida criolla is is the foundation it's the base sure. right and that's still very very there right and then you have the chinese that came right and that cuisine is still very there it's everywhere and then the Japanese. Well, actually the Italian, then the Chinese, then the, the Japanese, but the Italians ended up leaving, right? Right. And they've all had their impact on cuisine, right? And not only cuisine, I think it's because of like what the Chinese and what the Japanese brought, right? The, the, the work ethic, the ingenuity, the, you know, that, that kind of, you know, that, that the thing. The rigor, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and they've had not only an impact on cuisine, but on the economy, Lifestyle, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just like, and, you know, it's, it's, that's what's great about it, right? Two great, strong, you know, like, just cultures, cultures, and flavors, you know, and none of them, like, ever they kind of went hand in hand and one never outdid the other and we're no one clashing faded, sure you know if
2: only every marriage could be like that yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. all right i guess we're still waiting for our chifa restaurant in new york city then sure. there is an opportunity Here we call them what, Chino latinos yeah. right
3: <laughs> well, well the thing with chifa like it's very it's very chinese mm. there's nothing that kind of it's just it's it's chinese it's i mean you'll find the proven ingredient but it's like very Chinese what you would find here. Mm-hmm. It's Cantonese. The balance sure
4: is, is like, whatever, yeah, yeah. Yeah. more it's like... It's definitely beef and broccoli. Yeah, I see, yeah. Yeah,
3: it's, I see. Yeah, it's, it's Cantonese, yeah. It's not... Nikkei is very distinct.
2: Yeah. yeah. So what's your favorite Nikkei um, restaurant outside of New York City? Um,
4: I guess it's definitely going to be in Peru. So I love my daughter. I really enjoy Osaka. Um, and... I guess that's it for now. I mean I've never been to Chotomate in London, but I think I would like that. So.
3: Yeah, I would, I would I would have to say outside of the United States too. Probably Mayro. Mayro and Altoque Pes. he's
4: so good. Yeah, I like that and
3: too. That's it. Outside the United States, yeah.
2: Um
3: I haven't even eaten any Nikkei outside of New York. Right. You know? So a lot more. There's not many. There's not not that many restaurants.
2: Nope. All right. You guys are the pioneers. Yeah. We'll see where it goes from here. Yeah. Um, And Mina, what's the reception been like since opening?
4: Great. This year, the first year was a lot of introductions. Okay. Were there some confused There was a lot of confusion. Yes, there was. But again, we're in Midtown, so there's a lot of uh, travelers. Mm. So... Some people are very keen to it. Some people know a lot of Europeans, they completely get it. Um, But definitely a lot of education, not only as our guests, but our team members, our cooks, uh, everybody. Just the continuous representation of what it is, the education that we keep giving. But great reception. Yeah. Really wonderful. That's great. Yes.
2: And do you feel like, I mean, you're already doing this, but that you're building more awareness of the cuisine among diners? So Absolutely. now you have like, people coming yes. back, yes. introducing yes. Yes. Nikkei Absolutely. to their
4: friends. Absolutely. Or people who say, oh, you have to come to this great restaurant. It's Nikkei. And I used to have to follow suit with it's Japanese Peruvian. But now I feel right. like I can just say it's Nikkei. And then some people are like, oh, I've been to a Nikkei restaurant in... Amsterdam, or in so and so, or mm-hmm. in Colombia, so yeah, I've 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 tried to stop saying it's Japanese Peruvian just to keep the education rolling so that people aren't like, what's that? What's that? What's that? Of course, if they say I say I always say Japanese Peruvian, but I'd like to just keep telling people it's Nikkei. It's a cuisine. Yeah, you're it's pushing it what Absolutely, absolutely, but you can you know keep saying
2: it keep preaching the good word yeah it kind of feels just like new yorkers think they've seen it all they know it all oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like what something new <laughs> yeah
4: yeah yes absolutely something new it's not easy to do new yeah it's not easy no. to do new it's not inexpensive to do new it's, it's right tough.
2: right
3: but
4: you know the-
3: yeah and i think that's why Nikkei is is it has legs because it's it's approachable, it's accessible, right? it's mm-hmm. familiar. Right, the tastes like, are already familiar like, yeah. the way it looks. It's not like too out of, you know, out of, out of the box, yeah. you know. It's, yeah.
4: Right, they can have the best of both worlds. They can have some sushi, yeah. they can have ceviche that they're very familiar with. They can have lomo saltado, which people feel like that's
2: another dish, but still delicious. Um, Eric, and when are you opening Lama-san? What's the plan there?
3: Hopefully, lama opens in the next month or two. It's kind of hard. We've been going through the process of getting the gas turned on. Um, but, yeah, hopefully very, very soon.
2: Yeah, New York City problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: We're excited. We're, 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 You're ready. We're ready. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, and how will you be telling the Nikkei story to customers when they come in for the first time and they're new to it?
3: How will I be telling the story? Um, through the food. Yeah.
2: (laughs) There's not going to be like, oh, this is, you know, what Nikkei is and the menu is just gonna. No, I think, I
3: think, um, I think it's more of kind of learning through the experience, right? Learning through, through eating, right? Not, not necessarily having a menu where it's like, there's like educational, like paragraphs or explanations. It's Mm -hmm. more of kind of you know, giving something familiar while introducing something new, right? And, like, and, you know, I feel like that's how people can kind of relate to things and learn things a lot easier. And, um, you know, just kind of, you know, yeah, just, you know, doing Japanese foundation along with Peru's ingredients. They're They're diverse and, you know, like, and vast ingredients with with like New York culture you know like it's a little bit of everything right like yeah. um
2: and tell me about your other projects so you have Lama Inn, Lamita
3: so we have Lama Inn in, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn which is kind which is more of a of a modern Peruvian restaurant um Yamita which is a little more traditional it's you know sandwicheria by day which is a sandwich place by day and and um, small 11-dish 11, 11 menu by night, um, a little more traditional, and then Lama San, which is gonna be our Nikkei concept.
2: You're gonna be busy. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. Um, this is good. What about you, Mina? Any other projects on the way? Uh,
4: a more casual Sensacana and a book.
2: Oh, so, a book? Yeah, hopefully. Can you share? Um, Not yet. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. We'll just have to stay tuned on that then. Yep. All right. Before we wrap up the show, uh, we're going to do a round of quick fire questions, and it's meant to be fast, so please just share what comes to mind first. Um, What is the best thing you ate recently? It can be out. It can be at your restaurant, something made at home.
3: I got one. It's been kind of... I've been thinking about it. Um, I recently ate at this place called Las Reyes, which is a very criollo place in, in Lima. And the chef is Jose del Castillo. He has a place called Isolina Taverna, which mm. I love. Um, and it's it's mollejas, which are chicken gizzards, mm. just kind of braised in like, I don't know, like in aderezo, which is like sofrito, right? Ají amarillo, cebolla, ajo, chicha de jora, you know, just like served with some toast. I thought oh. it was absolutely delicious. So good. Yeah. That's
4: fantastic. So just like braised that chicken delicious. gizzards.
3: Yeah. <laughs> And, like, just like a nice, like, not necessarily soupy, but like, think of like stewy, mm, yeah. kind of braised chicken gizzards with some toast on the Oof, side. That sounds was, delicious. Was so good. Yeah.
4: I had um, my godmother's such a good cook. She made me my favorite dish, which is ají de gallina. So, it's like a chicken stew dish with a walnut cheese sauce. It's just oh, delicious. What? Oh, shredded chicken and ají amarillo and evaporated milk. Just delicious. Love it. It's like yeah. comforting. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you guys are going hearty with the options mm, here. Yeah.
4: Summertime. Well, the food is, Peruvian food so is very delicious. so delicious. It hits the but, soul. But very hearty. Yeah. Very hearty. Very
3: yeah. very, we don't hold back. No. <laughs> uh, starch and starch. Yeah.
2: Um, okay, so besides your own restaurants, of course, but what's your favorite restaurant in New York City right now that you went to, like in the last six months or so?
4: I just went to Crown Shy. I thought it was delicious was my, fantastic. My, my friend's a chef there, James. Yeah.
3: I've worked with him years ago at Eleven Madison Park. Um, the most recent... Now, in New York City.
2: Yeah, New York City. Something that we can recommend our listeners. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Man, I have to think about this one.
2: All right, we'll come back to it. Um, for a first-timer visiting Peru, what are the top three things they need to do or eat?
4: They have to eat anticuchos no matter what. That's the... Uh, veal hearts with ajipanca and garlic and um, different seasonings cooked over charcoal and you have to eat it after you go out on the street on the the street oh that's like and then you can have it with tripe yes it's delicious and you you can have it with (laughs) combinao so
3: you'll come back and and gizzards
4: yes delicious and the the chicken gizzards of course okay yeah (laughs) I would
3: have I I agree with that one yeah anticuchos And ceviche, duh. Yeah,
4: (laughs) (laughs) you cannot leave there without having ceviche. Yeah, Um, my mother's from the north, so we eat a lot of um, arroz compato, and that's like this uh, green rice with uh, duck. Mm.
2: Again, with the hardiness. Yes, of course. (laughs) Um, What about you, Eric? What do you What do you suggest for the top three things they need to do or eat? When they go visit Peru oh, for the first time.
3: Okay, so when they the top three things to do. Yeah. Um,
2: Other than eating oh Obviously, street. you would have to go to
3: Machu Picchu, right? Yes. Um, I would also say the beaches. The beaches in the north or the south, like Machu Pura or if you go to like Baracas. No, unbelievable. Right. And then definitely like like the city, right? Like if you like if you're in Lima, like Miraflores, Barranco. Like that area, or you can go to like Lima Antigua, which is like where it used to be the old capital, where you have the Chinatown, the Calle Capon. Mm-hmm. Those little. would be, the, yeah, those would be like three places, yeah. to, like three things to do, right? Yeah. That are like touristy. To yeah. The three things to eat mm-hmm. Anticucho, well, Anticucho, ceviche, and picarones
4: oh, oh ew, yeah. you're kidding me yeah totally <laughs> picarones yes on the
3: street parque kennedy you go to yes. the lady the lady with one hand making picarones you get a little fried donuts God. with yep, your yep. and get your money chancaca. on the other hand. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, right. yes yes right oh you know another In the street one and at night for would, sure would be la lucha i love the sandwiches oh, there delicious yeah
4: and so simple don't you think yeah. like just the pork and the sweet potato Oh, so on it. a piece of bread. <laughs> right, of course. With a but side of bread? But not, not, yes. not only <laughs> <Or French> just <laughs> a piece of bread. Yeah, yeah. No, the pan right. bon
3: francis. Yes, you know, like, yes, true. You can't find that Again, bread another here. influence, yeah.
2: right? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I love that you guys align on all of these mm-hmm. things. It's right. clearly the best.
4: <laughs> yes, that's so interesting. Uh, those restaurants. And they've been tried and true. They've so, been there for a very long time. We hold on to our traditions really deep. And I can understand when people come to Sensacana and they're like, my own mother will say, oh, así se hace, no se hace así. Or my godmother, who I'm so close with, will say, yeah. they're so old school Peruvian. And they'll say, well, oh, you know, they'll think about it. Like, well, I guess it makes sense. And so, <laughs> yeah, They do love the ceviche, so
2: Good. I feel
4: like I clearly one hurdle.
2: <laughs> it's hard to, uh, you know, it's hard to please, please them. Yeah, <laughs> please family members. Never members. mind New
4: York finicky. Your family alone is finicky enough.
2: Um so Eric, best restaurant that you went to recently. Recently. So I've yeah. been I've
3: been eat at like been to a, a good amount of restaurants recently. Um I think the one that I always that I've been recommending to people go eat in the neighborhood where Lama Inn is is mm-hmm. Winsun. Ah yes. Yeah, I had a really good meal there. What'd you have? I had the crispy eggplant, I had the lamb noodles, um, I think it was the chicken wings. The, mm. the crispy like chicken wings were really good. Um, along with other dishes. Yeah.
2: Yum. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, all right. So thank you so much, you guys, for all the answers and for sharing your stories with us. welcome. This was great. It was fun. Yeah. And that wraps up our show. Thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in. Did you enjoy this episode? What do you want to hear more of? If you haven't already, please leave us a rating and review with your feedback. We truly appreciate it. And we'll be back in a couple weeks. That's July 3rd with another awesome conversation from the world of Asian food.
1: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it